Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning, you are with Lyle and... Angela. Angela, how are you this morning? Well, it is a special day for me this morning. Uh, Today is my birthday. Happy birthday, (laughs) Angela. (laughs) So... That's pretty exciting. <laughs> All right, so you can be thankful for another another year of life. Definitely. And I am also thankful to my parents uh, who have given me many years of love. And so I'm super thankful for them today. And I'm thankful to God who's given me an incredible 30th year of life. And so now we begin 31. Um, okay. And 30th was, worked out was, really I well. Was, I was sitting here thinking, well, I, 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 can't, <laughs> I can't ask for age because that's just... That's just inappropriate. <laughs> so I'm like, now what do I say next? But okay, yeah. Today I'm 31. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> and my 30th year was spent in Kenya, and Switzerland, and France, and Australia. Okay, you can't, you can't, you can't <laughs> ask for a more exciting 30th year than that. Yeah. Ah, praise God. Okay, so I'm thankful this morning for um, MIG welders. What? Yes, because I always use an old-fashioned arc welder and my son has a MIG welder in the workshop and yesterday I was playing with his MIG welder. Well, actually, this belongs to a friend of his and it's just very cool. Okay. So I, I just, I'm just thankful that God gives us the ability to be able to create cool things like that that you can then go out and make cool things. I got all this scrap steel out the back and I cut it all up and I made stuff out of it and welded it all together and got all these creations happening and it's just amazing. Yeah, I think life is, is more amazing. <laughs> I, I, I look forward to being in heaven and finding out what kind of technology we come up with in heaven. Technology is amazing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Now we can have some positively <laughs> different news. All right. So did you ever hear about Captain Tom Moore in the UK? That name rings a bell. Tell me why that name rings a it's bell. It's an older story. It's back in April. Um, and yes. Yes, 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 yes. All right. I know about it. So he was 99 and he wanted to raise money for the UK, right? For the National um, Health Society of the UK. And his goal was just a thousand pounds. And he was just going to walk laps um, in his backyard, in his garden, up until his 100th birthday. But his daughter put it on the news. And from there, it just kind of went huge. And as of now, he's raised 40 million pounds (laughs) for the National Health Society of UK. That is phenomenal. Yes. And the queen made him um, a colonel now. And on his birthday, he became a colonel. And on top of that, um, he received 160,000 cards for his birthday. There was no room. Um, it's at his grandson's university school is where they're housing all these cards. That's phenomenal. This guy's a hero. He is a hero. He is. He's inspired many. And why I chose him is because there's a little five-year-old boy in the UK who was inspired by him. So this little boy had a really rough start to life. He actually ended up in the hospital because of child abuse. And unfortunately, the doctors were unable to save his legs. So just as a little baby, he was abused and put into the hospital, and um, they worked very hard to save his life. They were able to save his life, but not his legs, and he was adopted. 
And now the little guy is five years old, and he saw the story of Captain Tom, and he wanted to do something to thank his hospital that saved his life. A little five-year-old boy, uh, London Evelina Hospital is the name of the hospital that he wanted to raise money, and he just wanted to raise 500 pounds. That was his goal. And he was like, if Captain Tom can push a walker in his backyard, then I can walk with crutches. Now, this little guy had two prosthetic legs, and he couldn't walk very well at all. And so it was very, very difficult. And just to do 300 meters, it would take him an hour. So he's using crutches as well? To lean on as yep. well as his little prosthetic legs. Uh-huh. He's just a little guy. If you could see a little picture of him, he's so cute. Okay, so that was his goal, right? But... Um, as different people heard about it, generous strangers, they started to pour in more money. And as of now, he has walked 9.6 kilometers. You have to understand, this little guy, it was very difficult for him to walk. So to achieve that amount of length yeah, is taking incredible. 300 meters, 300 meters taking an hour to make it 300 meters is, you know, to, 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 to make turn that into 9.6 kilometers is a phenomenal effort. And he now can walk the 300 meters in 12 minutes. Oh, wow. Isn't that adorable? And so um, he could barely take a few steps, and now he's a strong and determined, proud boy because it's the inspiration of this 100-year-old man. That's fantastic. So this story just keeps getting better and better and better all the time. Love the story of uh, Colonel Tom Moore. Yes, Yep, which he served um, during World War II in Myanmar and India is where he was a veteran for World War II. Um, But one of the things for this little boy, uh, Tony, his name is Tony, he has raised $100,000 for every kilometer. Wow. That's how much so far that this So he's got a ways to go to catch up with Colonel Tom Moore, but he is well on his way. Congratulations. Yeah, on top of that... Um, he says that the greatest thing was, though, was when Captain Tom watched his video live of the little boy walking around the park. So these guys, have they met yet? I don't think so. It didn't say that they had met. I think they need to meet at some stage. Wouldn't that be cute? Yeah, I think so. I think this needs to happen. I just think it's an incredible story of triumph and incredible tragedy. I mean, this little boy had a really, really rough start to life. And then... You know, he's got a long haul ahead of him. He won't be able to play like other little children. But if he can be motivated to say how his greatest wound become his greatest power to change the world, that's pretty incredible. Absolutely. And very inspiring. And the fact that he's pushing himself and now he's become a little avid walker compared to before he could hardly walk. Yeah. So the question for all of us today is, what are we doing? Mm. You know, we don't have... We're not 99 years old and we don't have prosthetic legs. I mean, some, some of you might be in that, but the majority of us are not like that. So what are we doing today to make the world a better place? Yeah, because there's so many ways to do it. There are so many ways to do it. And, you know, sometimes we are very down on social media and on the news, and it's true. It can say a lot of horrible things and it cannot promote good lifestyle or good choices, But every once in a while, it can be used to do an incredible transformation. I mean, because of these stories going live, people are donating thousands of dollars um, to help really good causes um, across the UK. And so it just shows you that people are wanting the good. They want to look for the positive. So, 
Fantastic. What else is happening in positively different news? All right. Well, the largest city in Australia is now powered by 100% renewable energy, thanks to historic deal. Do you know what city that is? Well, I know which is the largest city. That's Sydney, but... It is. Um, 100% renewables? It, it is. It's 100%. Um, they now um, source all of their energy from two solar farms and the largest wind farm in all of New South Wales. Really? I, I am absolutely gobsmacked by That's a lot of... We have that kind of resources here in Australia? I was completely... I wanted to keep looking to make sure it was truth as well. And everything that I found, it says it is. That's amazing. Yeah. So I think there's hope. There's hope for a greener world. There's hope for a more positive world. I think that's a very positive, uh, positive story right there. I'm a huge supporter of renewables um, and renewable energy, and particularly when we can generate it ourselves. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Joining us on the phone right now is Etienne McClintock. Etienne, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you, Log. Always good to be with you. Etienne, you're uh, sounding a long, long way away there this morning, but um, I'm not sure whether you can change anything at your end on the phone. We've got uh, the volume turned up about as far as we can at this end. Um, Etienne, Is it a bit better or not? Yeah, a little bit better. Etienne, you're from Voice of the Martyrs, and so today we, yeah, um, there's time for our monthly update on what is happening in, around our world as far as religious persecution goes. Yeah, look, uh, persecution is an ongoing thing. While people remain faithful to the Lord and remain faithful to be witnesses for Him, you know, to take the gospel everywhere, there will always be opposition. And the more this activity increases, the more we'll face hostility and uh, people trying to shut down our witness for Christ. So we have seen over the last few years an increase in the number of people who are being persecuted around the world. The latest numbers, and this is for the numbers up to 20, end of 2019, 260 million around the world, Christians around the world have been uh, persecuted. The Voice of the Martyrs operates in 68 countries. Uh, we've been in Australia since uh, 1969, for 51 years, and it was founded by a man called Richard Wormbrandt, and uh, he was in communist prison in Romania for 14 years because of his faithful witness and because he opposed the compromise that uh, communism offered to the churches there, where they were happy for the churches to operate as long as they operated by their rules, which is communist rules, and that meant that you couldn't really preach the fullness of the gospel. And when he opposed that at a, a congress of the cults, uh, he became a marked man and then uh, was uh, beaten and uh, had scars on his body until the day he died. But his feet were beaten so badly that he struggled to walk properly thereafter. And quite often, if you see any videos of him pre uh, preaching, he'd often be sitting because he couldn't stand for any sustained period of time on his feet. Now, his story is available in a book called uh, Tortures for Christ. There's also a movie out, and if people are interested in that, they can get in touch with us, and we'll be able to provide them with that book. But uh, his big challenge, basically, was Marxist ideology. And um, we see Marxism and cultural Marxism uh, growing, and the sentiments growing more and more in Western countries. You know, we think that the West won the Cold War, but Marxism seems to be gaining ascendancy as far as the cultural battle is concerned nowadays. And I think, Lyle, as I've listened to you from time to time, you've even uh, brought those sentiments to the fore of what's happening even with the Black Lives Matters movement. Mm. 
Mm. Now, that raises a couple of interesting questions right there that, um, yeah, let's, well, has, has the BLM movement resulted in religious persecution? Look, we know that some of the movement, they have had burned down churches. Now, now just to, to put things in the right perspective, there are many who've joined the Black Lives Matter movement simply because they oppose racism. And of course, as Christians, we believe that Christ died for all, that he created all, that he has made of one blood all nations to dwell on the face of the earth. So we can't be true followers of Christ and racists as well. But unfortunately, Black Lives Matter movement and the people behind it are Marxist in their ideology. They, they promote a different agenda. It's an anti-Christ agenda. It's opposed to the principles of Christ, it's opposed to the principles of morality, it's opposed to the principles of forgiveness. So what happens is the label you see on the on the box of Black Lives Matter in itself, there's nothing wrong with that statement. But what underpins and lies below that is actually Marxist ideology. So we have uh, a book written by uh, Richard Wormbrand called Marx and Satan. And in this book, he actually documents and shows what the kind of person Marx was. Earlier in his life, he actually was a Christian, but he walked away from his faith, and he actually became a Satanist. Now, not many people know this, but this book actually demonstrates that. And I have to say, out of all the posts we put on our social media, this uh, promotion of this book in the last few weeks has probably had a, a angered response more than any other. So I think we're standing on someone's toes, and they're not liking that. So we're getting a lot of opposition. But if your um, listeners are interested, we can make that book available uh, to them. I don't know if you want to do it through yourselves or you want them to contact me, Law, but uh, that book can be made available, and um, we're happy to do that uh, free of charge. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll, um, we'll get in contact and we'll work a way out of, uh, work out a way of making that um, that book available. Um, that sounds most interesting. That, I mean, hey, that's a fact that I never knew. I never knew that um, Marx was ever a Christian, and I also never knew that he involved himself in Satan, Satanism. Yeah, okay, yeah so, that's right. Uh, sorry, go ahead. So this is a, a question that just, just um, Angela wants to ask here, and, and unfortunately our phone system is only working through one of our microphones at the moment, so I'm just asking it on her behalf. But she's like, how do I stand up for Black Lives Matter but not promote everything else that they stand for? Because it's kind of like a hashtag that's been hijacked by a Marxist organization. Well, look, it's a, it's a challenge. I think we uh, can stand up for, uh, for equality for all races, that, you know, God has created all, that uh, we... Um, we did not discriminate against anybody. If anything, the, the gospel goes to everybody, and in Christ all is equal. There's neither you know, slave nor free, male nor female, um, Jew nor Greek. We're all one in Christ. So we can promote that. But if you join the Black Lives Matters movement, unfortunately, you're actually supporting the ideology behind it. And this movement, uh, with all the publicity, has become one of the greatest uh, tools used to, um, uh, what's the word? to recruit people into the Marxist ideology because once you buy into this notion, you, you look at their website, go into the website and see exactly what they stand for. Um, we see Marxist ideology being promoted in schools, uh, even to the point where a friend of mine was telling me that uh, at the school where she was teaching, uh, the kids actually said to her, oh, they'd love to live in a communist um, country. 
And she was shocked by the statement. And she goes, well, which one? And they, she said, look, I'm going to give you some homework. Go and find out uh, which, which country uh, you'd like to live in that's communist and then come back to me. Well, they didn't do their homework the first class afterward or the second one. But finally, someone said, oh, they'd like to live in China. China seems to have a, a combination of uh, Marxist ideology and also some level of, um, I guess, uh, capitalism. But then she went through what's happening to the, uh, a lot of people there, the freedoms, what's happening to Christians, um, even the fact that there's a lot of atrocities taking place where if you need a particular organ, you know, you say your health is failing you, you can book an appointment and go and have that organ transplanted into your body. Now, anybody that knows how organ donating works, you can't make a date and say, okay, I'm going to get a transplant there. It's whenever the donor becomes available. So that's made people very suspicious that there's actually organ harvesting taking place and then being transferred to people. And you'll see under Marxist ideology uh, how many people have been put to death when you look at what Lenin did and then what Stalin did. Stalin killed a, a, a huge amount of people. And around the world, there was probably more than 100 and 10 million people that had been killed because of Marxist ideology. And in 1973, um, people started discovering the fact that um, the, the, the communist ideology is actually failing because uh, they weren't actually producing the utopia that they had promised. They were even saying back in that time, if you bought a car in the Soviet Union that was made uh, you know, in the Soviet Union, you'd take six months to build the car up so it would work properly because when it came with the production line, it was of such a poor quality because everybody was equal whether you performed, whether you worked hard or whether you didn't, everybody got the same. And we know that doesn't quite work. And if you're a school teacher, you know, if everybody has studied, you know, some students are more studious than others and they apply themselves better. Your, your A students, if everybody said, look, from now onwards, we're going to take the average grade to those who get a D or an F, we're all going to get a B and we're going to take the average well, after a while, the incentive for those who want to excel is reduced. And basically, a B then becomes a C. And before you know it, everybody's doing a D and no one's not really excelling. Because if you believe in the opportunity of equal opportunity for all people, you've got to accept an unequal or a, a different outcome. Because some people will do very well with the opportunity in the hand that's dealt to them compared to others. And unfortunately, Marxism failed in that sense, but then it actually transformed into cultural Marxism, and, and dare I say, the ideology that's been promoted by it has become a uh, very common and highly accepted by many people in the West. Etienne, Angela's just asking another question here, and I think this is a, a, a very relevant question, because as you say, you know, most of the people that are involved in, you know, most of the Christians that are involved in Black Lives Matter are just Christians who are standing up against racism, and we all want to be standing up against racism, but you have pointed out that the uh, Black Lives Matter organisation, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm thinking it might be fairer, um, just help me out on this, to call it the, you know, the Black Lives Matter organisation rather than the movement, because as a movement there are such a wide variety of people that are involved in being against racism. But because the organisation itself is clearly and openly um, atheistic, anti-God, anti-family, uh, um, and promoting a Marxist agenda... As a Christian who is uh, just, you know, fighting against racism, is there anything wrong with using the BLM hashtag? 
Yeah, well, when you take you use the BML Aztec, you, you take everything that comes with it. I mean, in the early days, you know, when we were fighting um, as, a, as an early church, the temperance movement was there, you know, um, and, and standing for a lot of good principles. There were some groups there that even in uh, in Ellen White's day, she was encouraging people that you couldn't stand with them because some of those people were actually promoting uh, Sunday and Sunday legislation. And you couldn't associate with them because of that, even though there were some good elements in there. And I think it's the same with the Black Lives Matters movement, unfortunately. Also, the ideology there is actually division. It's about identifying certain groups uh, and separating groups from groups. It's about the oppressed and the oppressors. And that's basically a Marxist ideology as well, where they have a certain, it's almost like a totem pole of, of oppressors. And as you go down the scale, uh, those who are oppressed down the bottom are actually uh, the victims, and you have to stand up for the victims. But there's no such thing as forgiveness in the movement. And I would suggest anybody that wants to know more to go actually onto the Black Lives Matters website and look at all the details and information and also look at the founders and see what they believe. Um, we don't believe in divide and conquer. We believe that the, the message, the last thing message that's taken to the world is to bring people together. It's to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and vice versa. This is a, a, a message of division, unfortunately, and not always the truth. If you look at the statistics, the statistics don't actually bear out what is being promoted by the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, it is a, uh, it is a very interesting phenomenon that's taking place in our world this morning. Just looking at a story that I was going to cover this morning, didn't have time, of um, you know, BLM protesters outside of a church in New York. Uh, harassing, assaulting people just going to church just because they're going to church. And, of course, it's a predominantly black church, and you kind of wonder, you know, what's going on? It just shows the craziness. If nothing else, it just shows the craziness of the world in which we live right now and how the, you know, largely the media is just driving division amongst people rather than unity. And I see this as, you know, being a very much, you know, the whole thing is, is just dividing our world and breaking it up and creating hatred where, you know, okay, there has, our world is never going to be a perfect place, but um, there's a whole lot more hatred now than what there was. Well, look, it's just driving division. And the fact is these people are not pro-Christ. They're not pro-the gospel. They are not uh, pro the, the word of God. If anything, they oppose it. And Christ makes a simple statement. He that is not for us is against us. And I just find that these people are not for Christ. They're actually against it. And while on the surface it seems to be good, and while there's some elements on the surface that we can embrace, um, when you dig this slightly below the surface, you don't have to go too far. Just go onto the website and see everything they stand for. These are contrary to the principles of Christ and his truth. I mean, we're having challenges at the moment just with the, some of the work we're trying to do into Voice of the Martyrs uh, North Korea. Voice of the Martyrs Korea, the works out of Seoul, has been launching balloons and dropping Bibles into areas where there's a hard to get Bibles in it. So it's the most hostile area in the world, this uh, Marxist regime in, in Korea, North Korea. And uh, they've now banned all balloons. Now, who banned it? Not the uh, North Koreans, but the South Koreans, because of the pressure that North Korea has put on them. Now, some of the other uh, NGOs that have been launching material actually have been uh, anti-government uh, propaganda against the, the communist regime there. But we've been dropping Bibles 
which is in the North Korean dialect that originally, in the good book, in the early days, was actually translated by the North Korean regime themselves. So they try to shut us down. Our director there, um, there's a leftist politician that's been calling for him to be deported and to ban all the work of uh, Voice of the Martyrs in Korea there. Uh, these are people that uh, have a love for the Lord, a love for the truth, and want to uh, get Bibles into North Korea. They actually live by a motto that says, at any moment, be ready to pray, to preach, or to die. And they've had attempts, even on uh, the co-director, Hans Foley, uh, Mrs. Foley, on her life, uh, not too long ago, for the work that they do into, uh, into North Korea. Any time you look at Marxism, when it's manifest in political systems, you'll find oppression, uh, persecution, and uh, an oppression of Christians and their witness for Christ. And unfortunately, the Marxist ideology that underpins all of the Black Lives Matter movement is no different. Mm. It is not about debate. It is not about logic. It's not about truth. It's about tribalism and putting one group against another. And uh, it's all about the oppressor and the oppressed. But there's no spirit of forgiveness there whatsoever, even if there are some things that have been done wrong. But if you look at it, when you look at the data, the data doesn't uphold some of the things that they're saying. It's a manipulation of the information. Um, but go onto their website, that's what I suggest. But even better, go onto our website, vom.com.au, and you'll find more information in regards to persecuted Christians around the world. Eddie McClintock, thank you so much for joining us from uh, Voice of the Martyrs this morning. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is now time for... Question of the Day. All right, so here we go. Was Mary Magdalene the same as the Mary who anointed Jesus' feet? Okay, so to answer this question, we first need to find out who was the Mary that anointed the feet of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. She is not named. But if we go to Luke chapter 7 and verse 38, we find that the Bible says um, that this particular woman, she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. So that's what we find that this particular woman is doing in Luke chapter 7 and verse 38. No name ascribed to this woman in Matthew, Mark or Luke, but when you go to John chapter 11, which we'll go to John chapter 11 and verse 2, the Bible says, uh, well, we can start in verse, in verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So we now we know which Mary it was. John names her. We know which woman it was, I should say, that anointed Jesus' feet. John comes out and names her. Now, why does John name her and not the other Writers, we're going to look at some of the reasons for that um, in a moment. But first of all, we note that this person is Mary of Bethany. So the question is, is Mary of Bethany and Mary of Magdala or Magdalene, are they both the same person? Now, this is a very, very long tradition. This goes back to Tertullian writing in 155 AD. So it's very, very close to the events. Um, you know, it's conceivable that Tertullian lived contemporarily with Mary. He lives that close to the events. Um, so it's a little bit like us writing about, you know, something that took place 
you know, or that we heard about, you know, that was was first-hand account from the 1950s, you know, something like that. Okay, so it is going back a long way. Okay, so Mary of Bethany. Let's talk about Mary of Bethany. The Bible describes her as being a great sinner in a number of places. And the term that is used, the Greek term, is a public sinner. Now, the term public sinner is a term that's almost exclusively used for prostitution. It doesn't use the word prostitute, but it uses a term that strongly implies that. So this is what we know about her. Um, so she, she clearly had a past that she was not proud of um, and you know, didn't want that sort of, I guess, you know, being mentioned during her lifetime. And so this might be one of the reasons why Matthew, Mark and Luke don't mention uh, her name. Whereas John does, maybe she's passed away and now they feel free to be able to talk about her because, you know, she had this past and it's not the kind of thing that, you know, a lot of people who have that kind of past, you know, want publicly known. Okay, so let's talk about then Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany, are they the same person? So this is some of the, some of the intriguing clues that you're going to find. Uh, Mary of Magdalene and Mary of Bethany are both known for being great sinners. That's what they're, what's they're um, uh, Mary of Bethany for prostitution, Mary of Magdalene for having seven demons uh, cast out of her. There is every possibility that Bethany was her original home and Magdala was where she worked. Magdala was a place where, you know, it was one of the major centers of prostitution in the ancient world. And if you're going to pursue that particular trade, then that's where you would travel to. Both of them are wealthy. Um, Mary of Bethany spends a year's wages on the um, perfume that is made available for Jesus. Um, Mary of Mary Magdalene supports Jesus financially through three and a half years of ministry. Jesus describes, sorry, Luke describes the two Marys back to back. So Mary of Bethany anoints Jesus' feet. Next verse, he's talking about Mary Magdalene accompanying Jesus. So two of them are mentioned back to back, right? Which kind of implies that, yeah, you know, these are two of the same people. But why, once again, why would you hide that particular fact? Uh, Cleopas's wife is called the other Mary, not one of the other Marys. So if there was multiple Marys, Cleopas's wife would not be the other Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is always called the mother of Jesus. So you've got Mary. The mother of sorry, you've got the mother of Jesus, the other Mary, and Mary Magdalene. But there's also Mary of Bethany, which implies there's only one other Mary that is a part of this particular story. I hope I'm not getting you all confused in lots of Marys here this morning. Um, and both Mary of Bethany and Mary Magdalene anoint Jesus for burial. One before he dies, one after he dies. And so they're both involved in the anointing process. It's something that is important to uh, both of them. Uh, Matthew chapter 26 verse 13 Mark chapter 14 verse 9 Jesus declares that the actions of the unnamed woman will be spoken of wherever the gospel is preached around the world as a memorial to her suggesting her personal identity is an important part of the story even though she's not named but then she's named in the next couple of verses or Mary Magdalene is named in the next couple of verses okay so Mary's testimony was to have an impact to the end of time and Mary Magdalene is the most famous Mary and has had the greatest impact. Okay, we could go on and we could talk about this uh, much longer, but I am completely out of time.